Janet today, Janet tomorrow, Janet forever. The Janet Jackson podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. Today we're going to talk about Janet Jackson's duet with Busta Rhymes, What's It Gonna Be? My name is Courtney and I'm here with my cousin. Cousin Cam. And today we're joined by Craig Seymour. Craig holds a PhD in American Studies, has written for Vibe, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Spin, amongst other publications. He served as music analyst for CNN Headline News. And most importantly, he is a member of the Jam Fam. Craig has interviewed everybody from Mariah Carey to Luther Vandross and our very own Janet Jackson. We've asked him here to chat with us about his experience interviewing Janet Jackson and also his upcoming book, Special, A Critical Meditation on Janet Jackson. Yeah. So welcome, Very sir. excited. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I love you guys. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. I love following you on Twitter. You always have new and interesting things to say. So that's why we wanted to ask you here. And then when I saw that you were writing the Janet Jackson book, I was like, yeah, he must. He must join us. <laughs> well, thank you. So tell us, when did you fall in love with Janet Jackson? So, you know, I follow all the way through like the Jackson TV show, through the good times, through the different strokes. As far as I can remember, she's always been a part of my life. And she's always just been that kind of like, you know, like that cool cousin you have that you just kind of look up to and whatever, you know, and um, but very relatable, not like so far above your age that you're kind of like, you know, so that's basically been the way it was. And um, that's sort of the way it still is. You know, that's just kind of carried with me through my um, whole life. You know, the, the way I felt about Janet has never changed from the first time I saw her like on the Jackson TV show and read about her in Jack. You know what I mean? One of my aunt's jets, you know, sitting there and while well, they're under the hair dryer and stuff. So my feelings about her, as what has constantly changing is the context and the way other people around me have felt about Janet, whether or not she's mainstream this time or she's not mainstream. Totally get it. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like you are one of a few fans and then sometimes it feels like you're one of a many, you know, it's like other fans come, they get on the bandwagon, they get off, but like folks like you and I and me and Cam, we stack. Yeah. All right. So now I have a kind of a hard question for you now. What is your favorite Janet era? If you had to choose one now. <laughs> I already know. It has to be the Velvet Rope. I mean, we're talking about from the visual. We're talking about from the hair. Because I think the first thing I saw of that, before even the single came out, was just the back of her head or her head. <laughs> and then red curls. And I think I was already set. To me, it like brings together everything that she had done up to that part and sort of looks towards the future. And what I mean by that is that it takes sort of the social conscience of um, Rhythm Nation era. It takes the sort of um, assertiveness of the control era and then the sort of intimacy of the Janet era and then puts it all together into this sort of, you know, sort of this introspective thing where you're sort of looking at, you know, yourself, but you're also looking at society and you're just, you know, you're, it, it reminds me very much of this era now, you know, I hate to say like the woke era cause that's played, but uh -huh. it's like, we're in this era now where a lot of us are like rethinking ourselves and rethinking our relationship to the world and rethinking what we think about this politically and this and that. There's this whole sort of reconfiguring of the world that at once is political, but at the same time, it feels very personal. And I feel in a way, the Velvet Rope era kind of prefigures that a little bit. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. I want to ask about, you know, you mentioned that Janet has always been with you and you've always kind of thought of her as a cousin, you know. Uh-huh. And your feelings about her have remained the same, but the context has changed. So what I want to know is, 
in 2006, when you had that interview with Vibe, one, tell us how that happened, but also two, having had kind of a vision of what she was in your head. Okay, gotcha. How did that inform your time with her? Well, you know, our first interview was in 2001. Mm -hmm. That was the first cover story that I wrote on her for Vibe, and that was um, All For You era. I flew out to Min Minneapolis. It was cold, as I don't know what, even though it was April, <laughs> you know, but um, snow and everything. So it's like, that was the time, I think. And it was just like, she picked me up from the hotel. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, her and me in the car. She was driving. She was running red lights. I was terrified, but whatever. <laughs> Ice everywhere. But <laughs> but we made it to flight time. And, you know, we basically spent, like, hours, just the two of us, in, like, a conference room in flight time. And mm -hmm. we were just taught, like, I mean, it's kind of like, it's the familiarity, yes, which I can understand. Some people might be like, I don't know you like that just because you see me on TV, don't <laughs> me? But she wasn't, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And we were, we kind of got off from the start just talking and laughing and you know making jokes against about each right, other right. and just all that kind of stuff so that was a really good um time and then sort of the 2006 mm -hmm. and that one took place she was in miami and she was um, doing the cover for that basically i um interviewed her on the flight back so we were on a pj from miami to um new york and then where she was meeting jd at the time and the interesting thing about that and looking back at it is because I've been recently reviewing both of the transcripts in order to put them in the book. Um, I realized that she was a lot more focused on music in 2001 than she was in 2006. Hmm. Yeah, where she was a lot more focused on just talking about her relationship with Jermaine and just kind of like that. Oh. It wasn't a lot about music, you know, and then we look at that. So that's that 20YO project. And then in retrospect, we see kind of like things that maybe Jimmy Jam has said about that era and other things. And now it kind of makes sense to me that and, – and the thing about it is, okay, so before I went to Miami, like a week before, they flew me into Atlanta to go to Southside's studios with this Jermaine Dupree studio in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And he plays me a lot of the tracks from it. Um, and I was like, well, what do you think I should ask her? And he was like, mm -hmm. ask her where her head's at. And I'm thinking to myself, why should I have to ask? Why don't you? You her man, don't you know? <laughs> I'll get you. And so then, you know, the first thing I do when we get on the plane, I'm like, well, Jermaine wants me to ask you where your mind's at. Where's your head at? And she was like, why is he asking you to ask me where my head's at? Doesn't he know? <laughs> she had the same reaction that I had. But again, I think it was maybe just one of those things that, you know, she was fulfilling that virgin contract. Things are due when they're due. And I just don't know that she was really there for the music at that time. And Jimmy Jam has recently said that there was one album. He didn't say which one, but there was one that when she met up with them, she was like, Terry, you just go ahead and do the lyrics. I don't really have any ideas right now. <laughs> and looking back, I'm thinking it was probably that one. You know, it was probably that one. Because isn't that the one where she says, you know, sometimes it's best if you have nothing to say. Let's dance, boom, 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 or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you feel like she was rushed into doing that project? I don't know if it's rushed. I think it was the kind of thing like, I think she was into Demita Joe. And I think Demita Joe was kind of her way of, 
you know, she had been with Jimmy Terry for so long. She was kind of branching out, you know, and there were new people. Hip hop was the Anard version. So I think he was bringing her some new people. He was introduced, and he's like down with Jay Z and stuff. So I think he was introducing her to Kanye and people like Scott Storch and stuff. So I think she was kind of inspired by those people. And so I think she was kind of into making music then. But I think post Super Bowl, you know, if you make something, and people are just like, eh, that's all right. And all the people that supported it before in terms, because, you know, it takes, to be a star of her level, that's just not us running to buy the record, right? That's, you need a whole, you need institutions to be supportive of you to make mm-hmm. a hit on the Janet Jackson level. And when she's out there and feels like those institutions, those VH1s, those um, MTVs, you know, she loves BET. She's not a BET artist. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. not, I mean, she needs the whole full span. I mean, let's be real with it. And I think you feel that that support has eroded for you and you don't have any signs that it comes back. Well, then how would you yeah. feel about making an album mm-hmm. at that point? Because I think a lot of things are just weird yeah. with it. Even then you think the first single, like, call on me. It was kind of, and nobody wants Nelly all up in the first gen. I mean, move, get out the way. Yeah, I just- <laughs> I just want you to know that the first time I heard Call On Me, I kind of turned away from it for many times. And it was kind of like a catchy hook, but I did not think that that was supposed to be her song. I thought it was a Nelly song that she no. was featured on. I didn't realize, like, oh, this is your single. Okay, this is this changes everything. <laughs> I mean, it was because I, I heard that the first time when JD played it for me, it wasn't even out. And he was like, and, and they had not decided that that was going to be the first single. And he played it for me. And I was just like, oh. Oh, so what else you got? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was trying to be as polite as possible, but I was just like, I'm not really, you know, that's going to be a dated record if you have Nelly on. I mean, that's you're not, just. You're not life. wrong, but I do have to say, I just recently went to a game and uh, Nelly was a halftime show. Oh my gosh. And that's what he should be doing. <laughs> he did like three or four songs and like that I did not know any of the words to. But they oh, felt man. like familiar. And my friend was like, oh, this came out like last year or earlier this year. I was like, Nelly's still making the same song from 2000? Mm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and see, the thing was at the time, like, it's that record that JD had. It was just him and um, yeah. and Nelly and like maybe Bow Wow was in the video or something. But it was really like Chains or Let Me See Your... Grills, yeah. Smile Grills. for me, daddy. Yeah. I successfully erased that from my memory. Like it was I was never gonna come up with it if you guys didn't say it, and now it's fully present in my mind. Thank you. Yes. So when I was talking to him about the first single, he kept saying, Oh, but you know, I've had so much success with Nelly lately. I have so much success with Nelly. And I was going, Yeah, but you know, I really like that song with you. He's like, Yeah, but I'm thinking Nelly, and I was like, but you know what sounds good of the songs that you played me? <laughs> the songs that really sounded good was that with you. I think that that, that has the, um, you know, and I like do it to me too. And I was I kept bringing it back. I was like, oh yeah, that's really nice. Anyway, we can hear that with you again. <laughs> 20YL definitely felt different than all the others. Um and it, d- it definitely sounded like it, I always complain when it when it doesn't sound like she's done enough writing. And I know that's not fair, but I feel like she has to be involved in the creation of a song from that standpoint. Even obviously, she doesn't have to write every song, but she got to put her flavor on it. And this this was pretty flavorless until you got to the back half of the album. Yeah, and I also feel like she always needs Jimmy and Terry. <laughs> Just bring them with her. 
So you just told us some fun, fun stories, but is there anything else? Like, I want to know something that happened with when you were with her that you wouldn't have believed if you weren't there. Well, I've told this story before, but this is so socially awkward, but it said so much to me about who she was as a person. Like, it was, it's the most, probably one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me during an interview. Uh-huh. The way she handled it, she was really cool with it. So, like, okay, so we're, picture the scene, you know, we're up in the <laughs> air, 30-some thousand feet, it's nighttime, <laughs> we're going from Miami to New York, very glamorous locations, Lights are dimmed in the private jet. You know, we're just chilling and chilling and chilling. <laughs> and y'all see I can talk, right? Y'all see I just can talk. And I guess I had no water for a while or whatever. They, I'm talking to y'all. All of a sudden, a little bit of spit comes out the top of my mouth. Goes flying toward her. I'm like, no. I'm praying to God. Change the direct the trajectory of the spit. <laughs> can, we, can we change the coordinates? <laughs> the longitude, latitude of the spit? <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> You couldn't catch it. So fortunately, it kind of curves to the left a bit. Oh. So it don't go on her. And where she had just been eating. But it lands on the oh, table. Goodness. Now, child, we are still talking mid-sentence back and forth. And there is this foamy piece of spit sitting on the mahogany ta- color table. So we're just looking. I'm talking. She's talking. You know, are we both be making real eye contact? Because we both trying not. We both not trying not to go peripheral. Because we don't want to see the spit. <laughs> so we talk and we talk. My eyes are dead on her. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Oh, yeah. that uh. So finally, she had, had been, just finished eating lunch and she had a napkin on her lap. No, but she, <laughs> no, she did a smooth. You know, she like kind of picked up her lap and she was kind of talking with it a little while, you know, like flip, flip. Oh, and then, you know, kind of used it to make hand gestures. And it goes from one hand to another. And then without like missing a beat, she just kind of like <laughs> and just swapped it up. Stopped up your spit. <laughs> balled it up and yeah. just put it to the side and never broke the gate. She ain't make me feel bad about myself. She ain't say, she didn't run screaming for her bodyguard to like, she didn't call for a cleanup on aisle three. She was just very smooth. And to me, that just really spoke with her. Oh, that's too funny. Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you, but if it didn't happen to you, we wouldn't have this great story. <laughs> How come all the most embarrassing moments are like in slow motion? I would have died. I would have just been like, Floop. But I really think that she's one of those people that tries to make other people in her presence feel comfortable. Oh, well, that's interesting. So anything else you want to tell us? What else you want us to know about your fun time? It's really it. Like, I, I guess um, if anybody wants to hear the actual interviews, I'm going to put them up by the time this airs. You can just go to Craig's Pop Life dot com slash Janet and I'll have all the audio there for you too if you want to listen to the audio or all the transcripts are going to be in the book when the book drops on the 22nd so yeah so tell us more about that well it was just kind of like you know how it's been so long since that it, it took so long for her to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact of like you know people have to be covered in a certain way and there has to be like a consensus about the argument as to why somebody should be inducted. And just thinking about it, you know, Janet does stuff when her albums come out and stuff, but there's never been anything that really took a look at her whole career and sort of made an argument for why she's an important artist. Some you could just tell, but I'm like, here, read this. Mm-hmm, right. like, you want to know why she's important? Here, read it. You know what I mean? And so I felt the need to finally just 
do that because most of my interviews, both my interviews with her have run as kind of Q&As. But in that, I've always had a lot more that I wanted to say that didn't really fit within the Q&A format. So I just said, let was around Thanksgiving time. I was like, let me get off this couch and to have something for when the induction ceremony comes out, just so that there is one place for people to go to really understand what she has done over these years and how that's contributed to pop culture, how, how she's sort of changed the dialogue on pop culture. Does that make sense? It really does. And I think it's very important what you're doing because I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but like kind of annotating her entire career in a way that spans the generations because what I have discovered in like Twitter jam fam and, you know, Facebook jam fam is that people really know the Janet they met when they were of a certain age. Yes. You know, like yourself, you have the luxury of growing with her, but people are still coming to her, right? And so they're thinking that she's Velvet Rope Janet because that's when they discovered her or they're thinking that she's 20YO Janet when they discovered her. Right. But I think, too, it it she's been so many things to us over the years and she's been in constant presence for so many of us. But for folks who really have not followed her career in the way that, you know, fans have, you could easily dismiss her as being. I don't want to say a fad or a trend. Exactly. It's like to understand her artistry and understand that she's been doing something mm-hmm. consistently through all these albums. That argument had, there's nothing really that puts all that together. So I was just, you know, you look around, well, who can, who, you know, I wish somebody would do this. Well, who's going to do it? Okay, I'll do it. You know, it's kind of like, yes, I'd rather read it, but, you know, I feel like because I've been privileged enough to have spent time with her and also privileged enough to be there for the entire, entire trajectory of her career, you know, I feel like um, that is something that I wanted to do. As you know, she got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you feel like social media played the major role in her getting in this time? What made this last voting session the one that put her over the top and put her in there, in your opinion? I think it was a combination of things. I think it was getting really, really, really time. I mean, it took a long time after she was eligible to even be nominated. And then she has been nominated so many Mm -hmm. times. And then Questlove had made, you know, his appeal. And I just think, you know, for as sort of insular and as white male oriented as some of those music things are. And same thing with like the Grammy, I mean, same thing with Grammys and the academies, you know, as those institutions that kind of sort of for legitimacy on something as they are, I think it's sometimes even they get beat down and they're like, okay, we're tired of being called racist and sexist, (laughs) but let's just let this child in. (laughs) Every time I read something about her, I'm Mm -hmm. just like, they don't really get it completely. It's kind of like they get a part of it. They get, they're talking about the appetizer, but they're not really yeah. ta- they're not really writing a review of the yeah. meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just feel like it's never really complete, and it's never connected to other things. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's never you know you t- that people talk about control. Well, let's talk about how she kind of had to realize that taking control meant different things at different points in your life. So it's like taking control meant one thing then, but taking control of your sexuality, that meant another thing come Janet. Mm -hmm. And taking control of your mental health, that meant another thing come Velvet Rope. So control was not just one thing. Control is something that has gone throughout her whole career and her whole life's work. 
And that's, and you know, even control, I think, even if you think of unbreakable, sort of about like control spiritually and everything like that. So all of that, I feel, just consistently gets lost. And it, you know, it makes me mad. It frustrates me as a fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's move into um, some news. So we're going to do a quick disclaimer. Uh, We're actually in the process of stacking some shows in advance of some travel. So our record date, we're recording today, which is uh, February 28th, and the show will post on 314. So it most definitely will not be news when most folks hear it. Uh, So get in your time machine and travel back with us. Let's talk about the moment you heard Janet was going to Vegas. I don't know if I text you or if you text me first, but I saw it on Facebook and I said, ooh, is this? Girl, you text me so early in the morning. I was still on my way to work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, look, picture it. I was in the hardest drive-through line. I was getting a sausage egg biscuit. And Facebook said, beep, beep. And I said, ooh, Janet Vegas, oh, Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> so I sent you the link because I was like, I want her to check <laughs> this out to make sure this is legit. Because, you know, I'm like, it could be fake. <laughs> but it's true, Janet. 15 dates in MGM Park starting May 17th. She's going to show Vegas how it's done. And I'm so excited that my bank account is saying, hold up, pressure. Listen, <laughs> listen, girl. Can we talk about that yes. for a second? I want to talk about that because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to say this as politely as I can. But I just felt some kind of way about the notification coming out on like Wednesday and being like tickets go on sale. Thursday. She did a Beyonce because I remember Beyonce dropped Formation and that's the you know Formation tour coming soon. That's the you know you want to get your tickets? <laughs> Pre-sale. Girl, we didn't even get a coming soon though. We didn't even get a coming soon. <laughs> we got to lay down now <laughs> so you can wake up and buy these tickets. Great. <laughs> Craig, do you remember where you were when you learned about this? Well, you know, I had seen Gil's tweet the day before, like saying something like "Wait for it" or something like that. So I was uh-huh. looking for something. Of course, I was praying for an album. You were like, I need an album. <laughs> <laughs> but my whole thing is like, it's you're not going up a chart. You're not debuting at number one. People bought tickets to your tour show this week. I mean, <laughs> I don't, so I just don't understand the look. I mean, I think kind of what it is, is that there's a concept in sales, okay, that if you you have to, and I know this being an author, it's like people only buy stuff if they have a, if it, they feel a sense of urgency. And if they feel something is always available, they're less likely to jump and make the move. Like, I think the same thing with tickets is like, they want to make sure to sell out right away. So they just make it like so you know, oh my God, the tickets are going to sell right now. If you don't, you know, sell your grandmama, you're not going to get tickets and you're not going to be able to go. Don't sell your grandmamas. <laughs> Do not sell your grandmamas. You know, so I think... <laughs> Do I not think, sell your grandmamas. <laughs> so I think that's that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, it's just kind of crazy as far as I see. But the show is being marketed as the centerpiece and this, I'm reading this directly from one of the one of the articles. The centerpiece of this all new thought provoking show will be Janet herself captivating you through your senses with electrifying visuals, explosive dance numbers, chart topping hits, and fan favorite deep cuts. And then it goes on to say the show will trace Jackson's path to self love, empowerment, motherhood, 
and activism amidst the challenges she faced along her personal journey. Now, see, when I heard that, that's what made me feel like her next project isn't an album. This is her next project. This is the thing that she's been uh, hinting at for the better part of a year. Yeah, because that last part that you read, that sounds like passion to me. That sounds like something that somebody's passionate about. So to me, I see it as like, rather than write another book or something, like she's giving us her biography in performance. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot you can do in Vegas that you can't do anywhere else because you don't have to go nowhere. That's my theory as well. So we're going to talk a little bit later more about that. But that is my theory as well. But I will say that when I first read this, and I, my mind stopped when it said explosive dance numbers and I missed dance. And I was like, oh, there's going to be fire. So I was really excited about that for a minute. <laughs> but another thing that caught me in here, too, was it said her journey to motherhood and activism. And I was like, those seem out of order because she's been an activist since she's about 20 years old. So that while she has continued to evolve and do it differently, um, but that that is not a yeah. recent phenomenon. <laughs> and so I don't want her to sell herself short by putting that at that very end like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the other thing though, like I was like, oh, this is it. It's about to happen. Gonna meet Janet Jackson. So I get in there and I see the price for the meet and greet. And I'm not even trying to be, it's $1,500 for the meet and greet. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I can't be mad at her because I'm like, look, you're the only black person with a top 10 number one hit in each of the last four decades. You can ask for what you want to ask for. Like, I can't even be mad at you. I just don't know that I can stand next to you. I just don't know that I can do that. Well, I mean, my thing is, I think the way she's looking at it is that it's a once in a lifetime, which it is. is. So, I mean, I think in terms of thinking about once in a lifetime experiences, then $1,500 doesn't quite seem that much in general. That still doesn't necessarily mean you have the money yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's and it, I think it's really phenomenal because, you know, she did a lot of, you know, we see her taking the pictures after the show. Um, during the State of the World Tour. And I just always thought to myself, like, how is she this darn pleasant after, you know, just laying it all? Like, we just watched you lay it all out on the stage. And, like, now you're spending all this time, like, meeting and greeting and, and hugging folks and being kind. So, again, you can charge whatever you want because she earned it. All right, so let's go transition into our song for this week. This week we are talking about What's It Gonna Be? Uh, What's It Gonna Be? Oh, Janet's duet with Buster Rhymes, uh, released March 9, 1999. 20 years, guys. 20 years this song is. And it still sounds good. Yeah. It really does. Because I just played, you know, I watched the video and I played it again today. I was like, oh, you know what? It really does hold up. Not like that Nelly, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we gonna be in so much trouble. Not even like that. You know, it's funny because both of the videos were by Hype Williams, Call On Me, and What's It Gonna Be. The What's It Gonna Be video still looks hot. The Call On Me video, in my opinion, never looked hot. So I can't. I Call On Me video looks like you're Hanna or something. I cannot do this with you. But I did want to say that this is one of Hype Williams' To me, one of his better videos. Because whenever I think of Hype Williams, like everything that I think about him, it just it all goes back to belly, and then it just kind of sullies everything. <laughs> and I know this man has made some of the best, like all of the '90s videos. He is the '90s, early 2000s king. Like he was just I don't know when he slept. But I just can't. Every time I think about him, I just think about Belly. So this song was actually from the oh, third album, <laughs> Extinction Level Event. 
Um, and for Janet, the single landed between Every Time, which would, and then another col- collaboration uh, with, I'm just going to say God, that's not right. Blackstreet. Uh, what was Teddy? Blackstreet. Yeah, Blackstreet. Yeah. I'm like, what was Teddy Riley's other man? Blackstreet, Girlfriend, Boyfriend, which was another odd song to me, but okay. Can I vent about that song, Boyfriend, Please. Girlfriend, Boyfriend? I can't stand that song. <laughs> I don't know what Teddy was thinking. I don't know what Janet. Yes, up. It's not awful, but it's not very pleasant. I just don't understand. What, <laughs> I didn't understand what the concept of it, and then the video mm-hmm. was not good at all. So Teddy Riley lost the point. Oh, the video was terrible. <laughs> so Teddy, I didn't want to say that out loud, but I tried to fight it, and my brain was like, "You gotta say it." <laughs> it was bad. So, uh, but Teddy lost the point with me because <laughs> I was like, "This is not good at all." Mm-mm. But I think what that was is, you know, she, one thing she told, said it to me, and I don't know when she said it to me, but she said that um, when she did I Get Lonely with Blackstreet, that they reminded her of her brothers. So I think that, that she kind of had a soft spot for Teddy and for Blackstreet. That was kind of like returning the favor for them. So that's the way I kind of just like look at that record. I can I can totally buy that. I buy that. I wish she would have made them try harder. Yes. <laughs> that was fire. That I Get Lonely remix with Blackstreet was fire. Uh, I don't know about that. Y'all don't I like still it. I still, I still. Uh-oh. Okay, nah. listen. Here's what I'm going to say. Like, it seems like there's some notes in there that aren't quite <laughs> hitting it's, to the right. To me, I... It's not better than the original. And so it always does kind of bother me when people do remixes and it's not better. I'm like, you knew it wasn't better when you finished. You should not have released it. But it wasn't terrible. Like, it was legitimately fine. It just wasn't as good as the original. All I know is, you know how, like, back in the, I don't know how old you guys are, but back then you'd be watching MTV Jams Mm -hmm. and you hear the I Get Lonely beat and you go in the room. Then you hear the, did you see Blackstreet on your feet? Yes. And you go back yes. in the laundry room and go back to folding your clothes, whatever you do. I just want to say that for once. Something was wrong. I did not have that issue. <laughs> I <laughs> like them both. <laughs> I liked both versions. I preferred it without them, but I liked it with them. <laughs> but back to Busta. So Busta, this was released after his single, Give Me Some More. So that was very interesting. Um, one of the things that was interesting was Busta tells this story about kind of how it happened. So Janet is being interviewed on the radio and they ask her who hasn't she worked with that she would like to work with. And I think just off the top of her head, she says Busta Rhymes. And the way he tells it, he says he was driving his car and almost crashed when he heard Janet Jackson say his name, wanting to do a, song together so he says he like called somebody and was like get Janice people on the phone now tell them we got the song tell them we got the song <laughs> and so she agreed to it and he's like okay we don't got the song but we gonna have one when you get here so like <laughs> so he and um um Antoinette Orbison Daryl Allenby mm-hmm. they wrote this song together um with you know specifically for Janet Jackson yeah, and you know, at the time they were doing a lot. They had a production deal at Electra, so like that whole sound with mm-hmm. Daryl Allen B and stuff. That was all like Silk Records and like the Gerald Levert Records and that. So you get that feel. But I think what makes, um, but what's it going to be a record that I really like and that makes it kind of a next level Janet duet, in my opinion, is I think um, Antoinette Roberson's 
her vocals on like her doing the demo and like pushing Janet to go that high and and stacking those vocals that high and stuff that to me feels very dramatic and I that's the thing that I like most about the song if you take Janet off the song I'm not sure that I would like the song as much but I feel like hmm. You know, when she sings those high notes and stuff, it's just very dramatic to me. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It definitely sounds um, that is definitely a different sound for Janet, but it sounds so Janet. It's like they found the perfect thing for Janet that she hadn't already done. Yeah. And I think Buster actually did a good job with that. Actually, he didn't mind stepping back and letting Janet kind of own the song because honestly... I always just felt like it's Janet's song featuring Buster to me. So I think he just really wanted to make sure that Janet stayed out, you know, stand out among on the song, even though, you know, it's his hit. He was like, you know, Janet, you can do whatever you want. You want you want a marching band? Look at your marching band. <laughs> you know, that's a good point, though, because you know what? I could listen to the song without Buster. I wouldn't listen to the song once, even one way through without Janet. Do you know what I mean? So it shows you who really yeah. is running things on the song, you know? Yeah. It is so funny because I love Buster Rhymes, but, and, and I have this feeling like I love Buster Rhymes. And like anytime I'm looking, you know, we don't do this anymore, but like, you know, you get a CD and you see like Buster Rhymes is the guest on a song or whatever. And I used to just think to myself, like, so you just invited Buster Rhymes to embarrass you? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you, yes. you, I don't care who you are. <laughs> you're not gonna outshine Buster Rhymes on the album like you just you're not gonna do it yeah and Buster was putting out hits yeah. I mean oh yeah 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 uh what it yeah putting your hands where your eyes can see even give me some more was good so I was just like man two hitters on one track yeah so I just I really didn't know what that would be like but it was a good match it was really it worked very well together and when i first heard about this song coming i thought mm, i don't know what this could be uh but it it worked out pretty well and busted like you said he kind of i don't want to say he stayed in his lane because he shines mm-hmm. you all are being really harsh on him again i can't believe i'm having oh ain't nobody ain't nobody being harsh on Buster. <laughs> i thought he did a good job and what i also thought was this was a little departure for him in his style i guess i mean it was still busted but it was like i guess the song they really wrote this song in order for her to be elevated he challenged himself to make basically to make a janet jackson song well i think you're right i mean because you know one thing he didn't have for all the hits he had all his Mm -hmm. hits were like hits were like real hype you know what I mean? It's like nobody was sitting back and chilling, listening to a Busta Rhymes no. cut. But I think this kind of put him in that really radio friendly kind of, you know, almost every rapper had a groove like that, had that kind of like, you know, radio friendly bop, you know, kind of R&B-ish bop. But he never had one. So I think mm-hmm. this got, got him one. You know what I mean? And I think what I like it from a standpoint of like a Janet standpoint is that, you know, usually Janet and her projects and everything are so insular. You know, like she invites somebody in, but you were very well it is in within you, her right. house and everything like that, her rules, her decorations, her everything. You just lucky to be there. You know what I mean? As it should be. Exactly. But like around a little bit after the Velvet Rope part, you know, that's when I think you see this era of her kind of looking without a little bit, even going so far back as like Got Till Is Gone, just, you know, that very much has a, a Tribe Called Quest kind of influence, you know what I mean, in terms of the beat. And then her, I just felt like this was more like her trying to experimenting on other people's um, uh, other people's mm-hmm. planes. It didn't always work mm-hmm. like with Girlfriend, Boyfriend. But I like that idea of her sort of being open to the world every now and then as opposed to being so like 
close up into her creative camp and everything like that. Hmm. So that's the way I, I feel about it. I agree. Uh, no, I was just thinking, I was trying to decide if I liked her being insular or being open to the world. And uh, I think I'm about 75% insular. <laughs> I did not know where you was going with that, but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I'm probably more than that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So this song does contain a couple samples, which I, I Cam is much better at picking out samples than I am. I heard neither of these. So apparently it's got a um, song from Rocky, yeah. Rocky Go the Distance <laughs> is sampled in there, as well as uh, EPMD. Yeah. You had too much to drink. It must have been like little chops and bits and pieces here and there. <laughs> and I'm an EPMD fan, but no. But to me, every time I think about this song, though, I always think about it being like a summer song. I don't know why, because I guess because I was still 18, still riding in my Dodge Shadow <laughs> and just going back and forth to junior college, you know, bumping this. <laughs> and this is the this song is the reason why I even bought the Buster CD. So I think I fell for it, too. I fell for I, it. Too. <laughs> yeah, because they make because back in the day they made you buy the whole thing. Because back in the day you couldn't have just bought the single. So I had to buy the CD to get my Janet, but I was I was okay with it. I like Buster, you know what I'm saying. And just to, to kind of piggyback off of what Craig said, this is like Buster's LL Cool J or Method Man's "You All I Need to Get By." So it's just his track for you know something for the ladies. Now this time it worked, but remember he did a, also a song with Mariah Carey mm-hmm. and. It wasn't the best song to me, so I think he was. I don't even remember that. You don't mean baby, if I give it to me, yeah. Oh Oh my gosh, you guys have done it twice now. (laughs) I blocked that out, but I think he tried to capture that, and it just didn't quite work as good as this one. (laughs) My thing on that record, I'm a Mimi fan too. My thing on that record is like. My man, I like more on the record. I think Rod Digger spits so hard on that record that. Every time she comes on, every time that record comes on, I just let it play in the background. And then when she's about to spit, I turn it up. Yeah, that's when it's time to pay attention. She goes ridiculous on that record. You know, every time, even today, even when it just randomly comes on, I'm like, Rock could spit. She's one of the people that really never got her due. Yeah. I like Rod Digger. So let's talk about this video a little bit. Uh, we already What's it gonna be? indicated that it was directed by Hype Williams. And it still holds the record for one of the most expensive videos ever made. And that's a trend with Janet. Like, she can find herself in the most expensive videos ever made, but her record label don't ever have to pay for it. She was in Scream. Sony paid for that. She was in <laughs> Electra paid for this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is true. Yeah. And even I, I was, it's funny you mentioned it because I was looking that up before I called and like even her video that's kind of the same price doesn't really matter. You know, that was paid for by whatever film company the Nutty Professor was on. Yeah. It's not her coin. And, and then she'll turn around and put it on her anthology anyway <laughs> and make them pay for it. Yeah, no, right. no Janet, a pretty good businesswoman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not mad at her at yeah. all. So this video was said to cost anywhere from two to four million dollars. You can see it. Like this video, it just looks like money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A <laughs> lot of money. <laughs> and it's very futuristic, you know, just to see how, you know, when he comes onto the uh it starts the video and he's all in this metallic uniform and then here comes the marching band. It's just like they really use so many graphics. It was just like one of those videos where you were just like, Man, what else can they include in this video? I mean, the purple with Janet in that purple suit. 
Oh, to die for. The latex oh. suit, yes. With, with, <laughs> yeah. Can't forget the cock rings that were the adornments yeah. on that latex suit. All the way yes. around. I think I, I think I read or heard or something that like her hair and makeup that day, like getting dressed and getting hair and makeup and nails was like 17 wow. hours. How can I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, the, from the lashes to the, I mean, it's, it is, it's an iconic, I mean, whoever, you see that one time. And, you know, you know right. what that look is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, and, and that video was, I mean, I think I loved everything about Janet in it and everything like that. I mean, I probably could have cut a good half million or so off of it from the visual effects. And I probably would have enjoyed it as much. <laughs> like, I didn't necessarily, like, maybe just. Sound like me. <laughs> you don't necessarily need to transform from the water. Like, can you just be yeah. there drinking some water? Or like, can you, you know, I mean, you don't necessarily have your head going through all, but whatever. But the, the thing about it that was so important is because that was the time like Buster was on Electra and Missy was on Electra and all of them. So you have all these young black people making all this money for this company. But yet this was still kind of back in the days where a lot of times when the budgets happen, they would give the budgets to right. a rock band, even though hip hop acts we're making, we're coming with more sales. And this was really a moment like Buster Foot put his foot down to um, Sylvia Roan, who was the head of Electra, And then she put her foot down to the head of, you know, Warner Brothers and all that kind of stuff. And just to kind of prove a point that y'all need to come up with some money for hip hop acts. And, um, and they did it. I, did, I didn't notice how much people really love this video. And I'll tell you, I probably watched it, mm, I don't know, maybe seven times. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's a video that I've seen a lot because I have loved the song and it's and it stays with you. Like you, I could probably describe a video to you scene for scene and I just haven't seen it that much. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's iconic isn't the right word, but it is very uh, distinct. Mm-hmm. You could describe this video and no one would mistake it for another video. And it seems like during that era, like you could describe a bunch of videos where like people were dancing in the desert wearing leather or people were, you know, down in the subway track doing something but this is a video like you could describe to people and like they're not going to confuse it with something else they was like he's in like a metal long bathroom i don't know what he's doing and then he's a raindrop but he's also a drum major like that one that one yeah no one's going to confuse it with anything else yeah and it's a lot uh, of sexual in uh sexual in how am i saying it right in the window <laughs> I knew that's what you were trying to say. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of sexual mm-hmm. stuff going on. I was just gonna let you. I'm gonna let you work it out. <laughs> yeah, we can't be here all day. But it was like Buster was like all up on Janet a little bit, and then he had himself coming down up on her into her skin, and you know she had her nails. It was like she was rubbing her, rubbing him in her skin, and I was just like, "Are y'all doing something that I don't know behind the scenes?" I mean, it was nice and tasty, but I was just like, okay, Buster, what you what you got going on? They really did have a very interesting chemistry mm-hmm. in, in this video, which you would not have expected. Like, you you could not have convinced me before I saw it that anybody was going to make me believe that, like, Buster Rhymes and Janet Jackson could ever in any way, shape, or form be a couple. Right. Um, but they really pulled it off in this video. I mean, it looked it looked authentic. Well, I just I can say this just, you know, from having been around her a little bit, is that I think watching her on like interviews and stuff like, or just seeing her about she kind of comes across as kind of reserved or something. Like sometimes when you see her on, on in videos or behind the scenes stuff, and she's not like that in person at all. She has a very warm, approachable energy. You know how you be around somebody sometimes and you can just tell like 
she is very warm. Like, mm-hmm. so I could see how him, he, she tell him, yeah, come on, just do mm-hmm. it. And like, and, she, and he feel comfortable doing like that. Cause she's not, she does not come across to me. She didn't put up any walls. But at the same time, he was a gentleman in the video too. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like he was like, you know, dry humping. But he was still like, you could tell Buster was like, ooh, girl, you don't know. It was fiery though. It was fiery. You just don't know. <laughs> he made the same face. He made the same face on this video that Q-Tip made on that Global Citizens Festival stage. <laughs> oh, oh, not the Global Citizens. Not the Global Citizens. Like, oh, my. <laughs> Mm, 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 oh, mm. He I got am not saying nothing in those two oh. minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. With, that's all I'm gonna say about okay. that. Nothing else to say. That's all I have to say. <laughs> you talked about the sexual innuendos. There w- has been discussion, and I don't know that it's ever been confirmed. Maybe you guys have read it somewhere or whatever. But there have been discussion that, like that hallway that the marching band is coming down, is supposed to be a tunnel of sorts and that uh Busta when he transforms into what I had been calling the bullet head was supposed to be maybe a sperm cell of sorts oh I think it definitely was and that's the whole thing about the margin band that's why I think it's a little bit I don't want to say silly but I can't think of another word but you know just like like it's too over okay we get it you know what I mean like What's it going to be? You're horny. It was all kind of, I think, a little bit on the nose. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But yeah, I clearly see that. I clearly think that that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I saw it and I I just thought when I was much younger, when I first saw it, I was in college and I just thought to myself, can't be because this just looks ridiculous. Like if that's what you want me to believe this is, then that just looks silly. I think you should make a good point because, you know, for all of that, Hmm. you know, all the sperm flying hallways and all whatever – the sexy part of it is just when they're together, just looking sexy and just Janet exactly. looking sexy. We don't need the sperm. We, this is not yeah. like, you know how like you be in elementary school before and they give you that book, Where Do Babies Come From? And you know what I mean? <laughs> to me, <laughs> and it has a little sperm with the face on it. To me, that's about as sexy as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not until we actually have the chemistry between the two living grown ass people that right, right. I feel. Yeah. I mean, personally. That's a that's a hype Williams trademark though. I feel like it's always gonna be one element that's too much. Yeah, well, like I don't have no kids, but if I had to teach them the words, I'd be here. Just sit down. <laughs> okay, you see this man's head turn silver, and he he be flying through this hall. Okay, that's that's what it's like. Is that your birds and the bees? <laughs> that is funny. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can't be mad. Hype was trying. He was responsible for really some, like I said, some of the best videos of the 90s. And one of my videos that I'm waiting for y'all to tell me you hated it because you then disliked everything else I made with Black Street. But Black Street and um, Queen Pen with no diggity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. He did The Rain with Missy That's a great video. I think that's he a classic did, video. Um, I'll Be Missing You with Puff Daddy. And you know a video he did that I really, really like? That's kind of, the, he doesn't really get credit. And people don't talk about the video a lot. But Missy's Hot Boys. I love that video. And he did that. Yeah. Oh, I love that video. But it's so, it's oh, so yeah. the rest of them. It's just like yeah. the rest of them. It could have easily been I'll Be Missing You. But you got Mary and you got Lil Mo singing and you got, you know, I mean, you got Eve. Literally, he swapped out the people. He, <laughs> he swapped out the people. He was like, let's just make Missing You again. <laughs> but I like that yeah. video as well. And he did one that I didn't know he did. And this was my for real jam. This was my for real, for real jam. He's come on Rap City. Uh-oh. 
Positive K. I got a man. What? Did that video, y'all? I know. <laughs> man. Oh, gosh. Now I'm thinking about that bad Coke commercial where they use that song. At the end, she goes, my man said he loved me, and he bought me no. a Coke. And I'm just like, ready yeah. Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, they've been colonizing good stuff for a long time. Um, Here we go. Uh, <laughs> so, live performance-wise... Did we get a live performance? Because like I said, you know, she comes out to play with people, but then she goes back in her cocoon. And if it doesn't, if the time of the award show or the VMA hadn't coincided right. with the time that she was out, that her she was still out, <laughs> then you just missed your opportunity. You know, she's not right. crawling out for, it's just, the moment's passed. <laughs> well, you know, they can lure her out occasionally, but you just got to name an award after her. You got to name something after her or of the millennium like BET did with that breadcrumb award. But she came. <laughs> wow. She was ready to come anyways because like a couple weeks later, No Sleep came out. So she was already kind of like gearing up to show up. But you know, I would not be a bit surprised, you know, bringing it back to Metamorphosis. I would not be a bit surprised. In fact, I would be surprised if we didn't see a little blip of what's it going to be during that show. If she's kind of going back through her whole career and she's kind of like looking back on her, it might not, you're not going to get a whole song, but you might get a one little chorus, you know? And, and I think, didn't the DJ play that yeah. during um, the Unbreakable, you know, how the DJ, I think, I think I might've heard that then. On State of the World, I think she's a verse or something. And, and it only was on one leg. Cause I remember I did not see it the first time I saw State of the World, but on the second time she sang like one little verse. And then I remember like, it's just been in like mixes. I don't know if you guys remember, but like just after the State of the World tour, like Busta went all crazy yeah. and was posting about Jan on his Instagram and everywhere. And he was saying it was his mm -hmm. first time seeing Janet Jackson live. And he wrote, me being an artist myself, I'm super inspired in a whole new way. She is probably <laughs> the most incredible, timeless, God-sent talent I have ever seen in my life. I salute you, queen. Like he was, he was losing it a little bit on his uh, Instagram the night of that. Concert. I wonder what the DM looked like. <laughs> <laughs> this song reached number three on the Hot 100 in April 1999. Who was on the charts then? I bet you Missy was on there. Missy has to be on there. Missy, of course you know Missy has. To be. Lauren, I was just about to say Lauren because that was like um that was the end part of the miseducation because she won all the Grammys in February of that year. Jay-Z was on the charts at number 18 with Hard Knock Life. Oh, my favorite Mystical was on the charts with It Ain't My Fault. Number one, I don't even put these together. Do you guys put these together in your head? Number one was Share, Believe. Now that you mentioned it, it all makes sense. But yeah, I forgot because that record was so out of context it just kind of she share pop back went to number one and pop back away you know? yes or bye bye you know whatever that auto tunes was yeah and uh, at number two was heartbreak hotel whitney houston oh. Pride. yeah oh that's the joint that came on bet her the other day yeah 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 so that's really it for um what's it gonna be I enjoy the song it is not one that I seek out but when it finds me I don't turn away and I like the song. I, you know, it's on my playlist. It's on my phone. So when I'm walking slowly, it, it plays. <laughs> <laughs> when you're walking slowly. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get healthier, but it's not working. <laughs> I'm always glad to hear it. Like, I've never, I don't think I've ever turned it off. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just not one that I seek out. But I think it's still a good song. And I think it really holds up. Like, it was unique enough that it fit in its time in 1999 and it still it still sounds fresh today all right 
So before we wrap, let us, um, we talked about Vegas and the Vegas show. Since uh, we like being wrong here, let's close with some predictions of what we think the Vegas residency will look like. Um, what do you all think that will look like? We'll start with you, Cam. I think, I don't, <laughs> I, the only thing I can think of is just like a musical journey. Maybe some clips from her growing up as a kid. A couple of, you know, clips from fame and different strokes. But mainly just focusing on, I guess, the gems. Her songs or gems, as I like to call it, they really mean a lot to her. Uh, hopefully she does. Funny how time flies when, when we're having fun. Yeah, if she does that, I'm happy because I just feel like that's underrated. Other than that, she can't go wrong with the, anything off of control and rhythm nation. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I like it. I like it. Craig, what you got? I think it's going to, I mean, just based upon the art and stuff, I think it's going to kind of, and you know, she's flirted with this before. I think there's going to be like a sci-fi or kind of comic booky aspect to it because that's kind of what the art looks like. And then you think about sort of how she did the anime thing for Scream. So I think it's going to be kind of like that. And I mean, I think it's really going to be, I think it's going to be almost like seeing a Broadway show almost more than than we feel seeing a concert. Like, I really think you're going to get a sense of this. It's like you're going to see a Janet Broadway show and you're really going to, it's going to have its different acts and all of that. Um, And you're really going to get that, a a fuller sense of a story than you normally get from a concert. That's my, that's my prediction. Yeah, I agree. That is my prediction as well. I feel like it's going to be more theater, more artistic um, than just, and not that her concerts aren't, but then just a concert, you know, and I am just based on what we've been reading. It sounds like it's going to try to be a uh, autobiographical. And I'm really interested in that. Like, I don't know how these things go together. Um, So it could just be a musical journey, like from point A to point B. And maybe there'll be some stories attached to the different songs or just what her life was at the point where that song was being made or something um, like that. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I know it's going to be awesome. It doesn't matter what it is, but I do know it better not be State of the World (laughs) (laughs) 3.0. I'm like, I will fight everybody. I will fight strangers. I will fight babies. I will fight penguins. I'll fight everybody. If I see State of the World 3.0. Right. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> oh, man, they get kicked out. <laughs> but I don't think that's what it will be. And listen, I'm talking Big Smack, but I've seen that show more than once. And I have loved it every time. But I don't think that's what we're going to get. And I'm super excited for it. I think the art is very interesting. It's got me wondering what this could be. I mean, the only thing that would make me feel a little bit more comfortable about the project is that if there were more dates, only because like in Vegas, you're sort of like moving in, you're sort of like making that your theater home and stuff. And they're so spread out too. Yeah, like the more dates they were, and if they were more in consistent order, you know what I'm saying? It would be so much different than just your regular concert experience, because it would be like she moved in, she, you know, hung stuff up in her dressing room. Like, it would be- Right, right, right. Like, she's got an apartment upstairs. Exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, you know, she could be testing this. And this is what I thought when I saw the dates. They're kind of weird. They're kind of spaced out. Either one or two things is happening. Something that cannot travel. So it's going to be so amazing, but it's something that she could not take around the world, right? Like, you got to come to it. Or it could be a test. This could be a test. This could be something that she's going to tour, but in a different setting, like in more Mm. theaters, like it might go to Broadway, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Well, you know what, Craig? I hope you have fun. 
I hope. Thank you. No, I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much for inviting me. I really did have a good time. We had a good time with you. And so thank you so much. And all the best with your book. We, I know I will be copying a copy. I'm so excited, especially as you have explained it to us, um, being basically all inclusive of Janet's career and taking a more holistic approach, which has not been done before. So thank you for doing that for not just the Jam fam, but for everybody, because I think it's very important to capture that legacy. Um, and uh, nobody better to do it than you. Sure. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And like I said, I'm keep listening because y'all be cracking me up. So. Say <laughs> 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 so that's it for us. On behalf of myself, Courtney Stribling, and my cousin, Cousin Cam, we'd like to thank you for spending time with us. If you like our show, please subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also chat with us via Twitter and Instagram at JJTodayPod. Feel free to leave us a comment, drop us a like, and tell another Janet Jackson fan about our show. Our intro and outro music, Good For You by THBD, is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever.